0: On today's episode of Unexpected Hauntings, we hear a story about a guy that almost got hacked to death from leaving a local grocery store. What happens when you run across a shadow in a foreign land of Ireland? We're also going to hear the history and the story of the infamous Roanoke. More coming up for you on today's episode of Unexpected Hauntings. Stay tuned, spooky listeners. Listen, if you dare, as we unfold stories of unexplained happenings and phenomena. Write in at UnexpectedHauntings739 at gmail.com. This is where the unexpected and ghost stories are brought into reality. This is Unexpected haunting. That's right guys, thank you so much for joining in on our 21st episode today Um, and just super excited with all this fall weather coming. It's finally starting to get a little bit colder here Um, and hopefully it's doing the same for you as well because I am ready for this heat to go away. I don't know about you guys, but I've already gotten some halloween decorations out and always looking forward to it being more fall like outside also um, been doing some recordings for halloween so i'm really really excited about the five weeks of halloween Um, if you guys don't know what that is it's going to be our halloween special um, for the month of october starting september um, 30th is going to be our first day and a good buddy of mine, Chase, she is going to be um, going over some really cool stuff. I'm not gonna give anything away, but it was a very deep conversation, um, and I'm just very, very excited to see what you guys think and um, to get your thoughts on that. But um, yes, Halloween, fall, (laughs) It's it's always a great time of year. And on today's episode, we've got an incredible story that leads into Halloween, I believe. And if you guys don't know the story of Roanoke, you guys are into a treat. This story that's written in is very creepy and it's pretty gruesome too. So if you guys aren't into gruesome stuff, then you might want to fast forward um, that story at the end. But... um, it's got a different twist to it, and it's really good. It kind of gives an idea of what happened to the colonists, and um, that everyone doesn't know about because we always hear the story. Okay, yeah, the Croatoan was written on the um, written on the trees, the C R O, and no one knows what happened. Well, in this story, it kind of covers what happened, um, and it's very interesting. So. Um, it's going to be a good story and we're going to go through the first story um, about a person almost getting hacked to death with a machete (laughs) leaving the gas station it's a really crazy story we're also going to hear a shadow person found in Ireland of a person that's um, on a trip to Ireland by himself with students and finds himself in a dark alley with a shadow person So today's episode is going to be really, really cool, and I hope that you guys stay tuned and love this episode. But we're going to go into the first story. Like I said, we're going to go into a story where this person got hacked to death, or almost got hacked to death, um, outside of a gas station, just getting groceries. So here we go, guys. This story is entitled, I Was Almost Hacked to Death. Enjoy. Okay, so this is my first official post on here, but I have to share this story. It happened about three years ago. I live in the United States. I was a 6'1", 210-pound, 23-year-old white male college student that was living in a predominantly Hispanic low-income neighborhood when this occurred. About five minutes after my Pizza Hut shift one night, I decided to walk across the street to buy a couple of Tallboys at the local liquor store. Excited about it, being the weekend and getting to sleep in the next morning, I had no life. So, as the cashier was handing me my bag of booze across the counter, a muffled yet short female scream reverberated throughout the store just from outside. I distinctly remember how pitiful it sounded. The cashier and I made the certain eye contact where you're both just like, what the fuck? After a brief silence, he shrugs his shoulders slowly and tells me to be careful getting home. I nod my head and start out after giving him a gracias from under my shoulder. I know it seems like we may have underreacted, but honestly you see and hear a lot of crazy shit in this city, especially at night. So in addition to not wanting to get mixed up in something, You don't just call the cops over anything, especially a random scream. Even with that being said, thinking about how pitiful it sounded gave me a mixture of disgusted anger and cold fear. My heart speeding up at this point, I opened the liquor liquor store door slightly and looked around outside. After hearing and seeing nothing but traffic for about 15 seconds, I decided to start walking home. Head down, eyes and ears open, but as soon as I rounded the liquor store corner, I was greeted by an obviously intoxicated, but somehow steady, short, stocky, Hispanic man with a scratched up face and really stretched out shirt. Assuming he was one of the few drunks that live in a small but dense patch of forest about 12 feet behind the store, I completely disregarded him and continued walking, at first. Something about his behavior caught my attention. He looked extremely nervous, as if he were up to something. Also I could hear a faint, almost non-existent, gurgle-like sound coming from in the trees. Immediately I began to suspect he had something to do with a scream I had heard just minutes before. Upon making eye contact, he caught on fast what I suspected of him. Está bien, Spanish for how are you? He awkwardly asked me, smiling way too much and motioning for me to follow him into the darkness behind the store. I pretty much told him to fuck off and continued walking home at a much faster pace now. Looking behind me every 16 or so steps, I began wondering what the hell that noise was coming from in the woods and why the man was acting so shady. Maybe I was overreacting though. Maybe the sound was just an old pipe or drain nearby. Maybe he really was just drunk and didn't want me to call the cops on him for public intoxication or something. I now wish with everything within me I would have called the police then and there. And went in the store and waited. About five minutes later, while walking down the particularly dark and isolated stretch of road about half a mile before my apartments, out of fucking nowhere, the man I'd just seen burst through some shrubbery about 12 feet from me on my back left wielding a fucking machete. That's right, a fucking machete. Honestly, you can't make this shit up. I immediately went into panic mode and threw my beers at him and began running as fast as my legs could carry me toward my apartment building. Hoping I had had enough strength left within me to make it, I now realized I should have ran towards the store as it was closer, but as I started he came from behind me and the rest is instinct. He was initially so close behind me I swear I could hear the blade cutting the air as he swung at me from behind. I honestly expected a machete blow to the neck or head at any second. That's a very unique, very hard state of mind to be in, knowing that you could die at any moment. The worst, most gruesome thoughts of me being murdered began to fill my mind. Would I trip only to have a defensive arm hacked off right before my eyes? or would I be halfway decapitated mid-stride, falling hard and bleeding out as other parts of my body were cut away? Tears began to fill my eyes at the thought of how my family would feel, knowing I was hacked to death, bleeding out on the side of a dark road alone. I began to scream, half out of desperation to live, the other half out of fear of not wanting to die such a horrible death. I know it sounds bitchy, But you can't really judge until you're being chased down by someone who literally wants to hack apart your body until you die. I'll try to shorten the story a little now. Yes, I eventually made it home. Some part of me knew I'd lost the guy way before getting there, but my fear and adrenaline refused to let me stop running. I collapsed as soon as I'd made it inside and tried to focus on not going into cardiac arrest. not running so hard but out of fear for my life i tried to remember everything i learned in the army about two mile recovery drill it helped a little everyone who's been in even a remotely similar situation can understand why i never called the police after much needed water and heavy breathing it was 30 minutes before i could even put a chain of complete rational thoughts together due to the shock and mental, physical exhaustion caused by what just happened. By which time the guy would be long gone, I remember all I could think about was how the hell I didn't hear him getting that close to me after five whole minutes of walking especially with him being under the influence and me being sober. Needless to say, after double-checking all the doors and windows, I fell into a paranoid sleep, gripping a chicken knife soon after. The next day, I came to find what a young teenage girl had been raped and killed behind that same store around the time I had been leaving the previous night. Her throat had been slit and her body dumped into far from where she'd been raped. Every person that lived behind the store was tested against the semen found inside the bo- girl's body, and not one was a match. As far as I know, the guy was never caught. I'm 120% sure that the scratched face and stretched shirt on the man I'd seen the previous night were remnants of the poor girl's futile attempt to fight off her rapist and killer, and the suspicion he saw on my face was enough for him to want to kill me as he must have thought I was a witness or something. The mother of the child had only sent her there to buy some orange juice or something she'd been making for dinner that night. The liquor store was the closest carrier of OJ in the area. I can't help but kind of feel guilty though and I feel so horrible for the girl's family, especially the mother. If I'd call the police then and there and went back inside, would he have been caught? I remind myself that things played out the way they did and that I can't change the past. The worst part though is thinking that the gurgling sound I'd heard was the girl trying to breathe, despite choking on her own blood, mere yards from me. I'm almost certain this is true. Also, who the fuck just carries around a damn machete? Is that what he used to cut the girl's throat? Nevertheless, Michael Myers, machete-wielding rapist, let's never meet ever again. Feel free to share this with anyone if you want. Just please be sure to give me credit. Scary stories, YouTubers, have at it. Just DM me so I can watch the video, please. Alright, and that was a story from Grave Gobbler. Thank you so much for um, writing that in. I'm giving you some credit there. Uh, Grave Gobbler, and he's on Reddit. And his stories are pretty good. So, um, that that is pretty wild. So you're going home from a, this to normal. Um, job just going to pick up some groceries or something. Um, and you come across a killer rapist. <laughs> um, I'm glad he's able to escape. That's a wild story. Uh, not everyone gets to escape and gets to tell the tale. Um, hence the dead men tell no tales. <laughs> but, um, wow what a story so I can feel that there's some guilt there he heard that in the woods and he could have gone out to save her or something um but I think the way he's taking it is really well and it's like he can't go back in the past and change it and really whenever something like that happens your instincts kick in and I think um. Really, with experience, with instincts kicking in. Sorry, I was just popping my knuckles. <laughs> um, I think the with your when your instincts kick in, you either have an instinct to save the girl or to run, and I think naturally our instinct is to run. Um, it takes a lot of training and a lot of thought to think, okay. I can go save this person or okay I'm gonna die in the process of saving this person and you know die trying Um, which I don't know if I would I don't really have that many experiences with fight-or-flight reflexes which I believe this is definitely a fight-or-flight reflex Um, because he flight (laughs) he he used the, the flight Part of fight or flight because um, he discovered the guy had a damn machete he had nothing so um, I think that that was a very wise thing to do and uh, left even if I left though I would have definitely called the cops um, even if they couldn't find him, given a description um, let them know what he was wearing and how he looked because then that would have given a good description of the guy. And the cops could hunt them, hunt him down. So, um, what a crazy story to start off this episode with. Man, uh, being almost hacked to death. That is wild. We're going to go into the next story here. And it is called Shadow in Ireland. And it's a pretty, pretty cool story. Um, it's not as long as this one. But... I just found it kind of creepy. And, you know, who wants to go travel to Ireland? I do. (laughs) That would be pretty cool. But in this case, it's a creepy trip to Ireland. So here we go, guys. This story is entitled Shadow in Ireland. Enjoy. In the spring of 2009... I was about 21 years old and I was going to Ireland. It was always my dream to go back to where my family came from. The only thing that worried me was that even though I was with a group from college, I was going to another country by myself. No parents. To a normal 21 year old, that was great, but I was different. I had never been really anywhere without my parents and I had never left the Midwest. Hell. I really didn't leave Missouri all that much in 21 years. Anyway, I got on the plane and flew to Ireland. The first day was great, but then I started to have separation anxiety and I missed my parents. So I went to the local internet cafe and saw they had phone booths. So I got into the booth and was crying when the phone was ringing. I heard my mom's voice and I was so happy to hear her voice, I said, hi mommy she said sabrina are you okay i said no i want to come home she said what happened so i told her what happened after i told her what happened she told me i would come get you but i can't so stop being bossy and enjoy yourself after that i got off the phone and realized that it was dark as i was paying the internet cafe man in the front desk for using the phone i asked him where temple bar was as I was staying at a hostel there he told my directions but he said it so fast that I couldn't understand him I asked him to slow down he did and I understood him as I was leaving he said something that made my blood run cold watch out for shadows they run wild stick to the light as I was walking to the street light dimmed down Spooky sounds started, maybe it was me, because I'm in another country. Knowing what I know about Ireland history, I was about to piss my pants. The noises got louder, I dumbly ran down a dark alley and saw a shadow. It was chasing me, and i it was laughing demonically. I was frozen, I couldn't stop looking at it, those red eyes don't know how, but I got up and started to run. I had my camera that I bought for the trip and started to record myself. I said, my name is Sabrina White and I'm 21 years old. I am from Trenton, Missouri, USA. If anyone finds this, mom and dad, I love you. I was in the middle of the alley when it was going faster and I went faster and saw the thing at the end, light running to the light. I did. It was chasing me. I burst through the doors and fell on the stairs in front of the hostile desk. I scared the crap out of the night desk man. He asked me, Are you okay? After catching my breath, I went back outside and didn't see it, and I said, I'm fine. Could please have my room key? As I was getting ready for bed, I thought, Why was that thing following me? I grabbed my camera and watched what I recorded, after watching it, I deleted it. What is the moral of the story? If you want to travel, please, please use the buddy system. I know it's lame, but maybe if I had someone walking me back to the hostel, maybe this wouldn't have happened. P.S. To whatever the holy hell was following me, let's not meet again. Thank you. Um, there's not really a name to this, but, uh, phantom girl, thank you for writing in, um, through Reddit. Uh, this was the shadow of Ireland, iron shadow in Ireland. Sorry. (laughs) I got tongue tied. Um, doing this recording a little bit early in the morning. So, uh, yeah, (laughs) bear with me, (laughs) but, um, yeah. So why did she delete the evidence? That's what freaks me out at the end. I'm like, I would have loved to just kept that evidence. But I guess she got freaked out so much that she decided to delete it. Um, and she thought she was going to die. So, you know, she did, of course, the last words recording. Um, typical thing whenever you're, you're, you know, about to feel like you're about to pa- uh, pass away or die. Um, that. That is insane. I can only imagine like how she was feeling because during the times of day like that or times of night for this instance, um, and something like this happens, you don't know if you're going to live or die. And, um, same as the first story. So I would be interested to know what that shadow was that I was chasing her, um, And, um, there's a lot of myths and a lot of stories, um, true stories of shadow people in Ireland. So that could have been very well been that as well. If you have any stories about, um, moving out and going on trips across the country, I know I do, um, then write into us at unexpectedhaunting739 at gmail.com. Write into us if you have some creepy um, stories of like visiting other foreign countries. Um, I have a couple of myself, so I might actually do an episode of where I do that because I've traveled a good part of Europe and Africa and have some pretty creepy stories of doing that uh, trip over there. It's very beautiful. Don't get me wrong; very, very beautiful. But at night, it can be a completely different story. It can be very menacing, and it's scary because, like they said in this, like she said in the story, you're new to this place and it's all foreign to you, and they might even speak a different language. Uh, of course, I guess in Ireland they don't. Of course, they have that that the Irish Irish accent and all that Scottish and all. But, um, all right, I'm going to stop rambling on and go to our last story of this episode. And uh, say the best for last, I think. I know all these stories are great. I'm not decrediting any of these stories. But this story is really, really cool. Um, and it is the Roanoke story that I found. And. I don't know, just something about Roanoke has always kind of clicked with me and always has been interesting because it's got a historical background to it uh, and a creepy feel to it as well because a lot of witchcraft and um, just a lot of supernatural stuff has happened here before. So anyways, without that being said, Um, we're going to jump into it it's just entitled Roanoke so here we go guys enjoy in the year of our Lord 1587 celebration filled the spring air for the good people of Roanoke Colony Winter had been stubborn once again and the threats of war with the Spanish had severed much needed replenishment of goods and supplies. As one of England's earliest attempts at the establishment of a permanent settlement in the Americas, they were truly isolated. Tested was their resolve of heart and faith in God. Eventually, the days grew longer and the last of the snow had melted. Come spring, none of the 117 colonists had perished, and in fact, the valiant people were thriving and prospering in this brave new world. Memories of hardship and trials were absent from the tongue through this warm day. Today was about triumph and victory, the rugged and savage land had not overcome their determination of will and manifestation of destiny. Today was a day of honor, heralded with a feast in which all would take part from, tables placed outside along the town's edge. It was a time to congregate and make merry with their brother and neighbor. Offerings of thanks would be given to God and cups of wine would be raised to the Queen. Men bellowed in laughter, women giggled amongst themselves, and children ran and played throughout the settlement. All was good in the world that day. A little boy's voice rang out from the tree line of the forest that sat east of town. The voice of Thomas called out, Mommy! Mommy! I caught him! He is mine! I caught him! At the sound of her son's voice, Priscilla's lips thinned with irritation. Once could not a single day come to pass in which the little waif would not cause me embarrassment, she thought to herself. Priscilla felt a mixture of guilt and disdain every time she looked upon the child, for she had married young and not for love, but for necessity. Plucked from the busy streets of Cambridge by her adventurous husband, she despised him for the life he chose for her. Given the fact he did not even have the courtesy to remain among the living long enough to ensure his expecting wife could escape this savage wilderness. And bitterness, she alone bore the responsibility of parenthood. She held fast to the belief that never had there been a more disobedient child than Thomas. As the boy grew from an infant, he became such an odd and unusual child. No interest had he in the goings on around him, and mostly dwelt in an inner world of his own making. Other than frequent outbursts of tantrums, little emotions was shown or shared by Thomas. Was it her fault that bonds of motherly affection did not form, thought Priscilla? She did not turn or even acknowledge the callings of the voice and continued her duties of setting the tables and conversing with other women. She ignored the curious glances over the shoulder and the looks of pity that fell upon her. A scream arose from the crowd. The murmurs of talk and conversation constantly came to a halt. All attention had come to the rest of the forest's edge. With a hop and a skip, the childlike figure broke through the tree line and onto the grassy field that separated the colony from the forest's edge. I grew near with long, proud skips through the grass. The people saw what approached. Mothers grabbed their children, and men stood fast to protect their families. It was sickly pale and immaculated. Skin drooped and hung loosely from its bones, forming strations of sagging flesh that swayed to and fro. Roppy white hair clumped together upon its head, patches of shiny red flesh glistened in the sun where hair had been torn from root. The eyes stretched wide and protruded from its skull and hailed the consistency of soup or porridge gone cold. It gazed absently past the horizon with cloudy blue and white pupils that were large and dilated. As it approached, the putrid smell of its ravaged flesh intensified. Once reaching the town's edge, the creature continued its hopping from one foot to the next. I caught him! He's mine! He's mine! I won't give him back! He's mine! It chanted. The small creature held its two gaunt arms high above its head with hands cupped together, much like how a child would hold a butterfly caught in mid flight. Another scream pierced the air, another's gasp for realization had come crashing down on all who bore witness. It fell heavy on their hearts and filled each with dread for despite its deformities and gruesome appearance, this was no spawn from Satan's seed. There was no doubt that the impossible truth, this, in fact, was their very own Thomas. The sky above the forest darkened, and the clouds of the deepest purple, blue, and green spilled out from a single point in the heavens. It bled out from a firmament, like a stab wound and gathered in ominous shapes and formations. The clouds poured out with such force it gave the appearance of a vast body of turbulent water churning above the forest. Luminescent flashes of green and white glowed from within. The silence was stunning as the clouds continued to bubble and boil. The expansion of clouds soon quietened and came to a stop. All was still, but the air was electrified with the anticipation of the approach of something. A loud crash of thunder rolled out of the heavens and frightened the masses. The echo of its rumble lingered in the air until it slowly faded. Then another clap boomed overhead. Panic gripped, and the people for this was no thunder that roared overhead that was indifferent the low mournful tone was too profound to be of nature's making no it held the lightness of darkness and resemblance of dread at the arrival of war sounded from great trumpets trumpets like those spoken about in scripture that would herald the end of days magnificent splendid objects lit the air and burst through the clouds so bright were they that not true form could be discerned of its body. Only rings within rings of light did they have an appearance, but with a large span of wings that outstretched from its back was unmistakable. A legion of creatures of light hovered in the sky and began to descend in the small settlement. Pillars of fire ignited from the beings. One, then two, then three five, ten, fifty, and so on. As they approached, the purpose of nature of the fire became understood. The fire sat upon a hilt and was the blade of a sword of flames. Thomas stood before the crowd of people as a coward and looked at him with disgust. He held his hands firmly, clamped around something that did not want to be trapped. A thick red and black liquid poured and seeped out from between his hands and fingers. It fell to the ground in rocky strands and began to smoke upon contact with the grass. The fluid formed tendrils and burrowed into the hands and arms of Thomas, yet he took no notice. The tendrils moved viciously as it penetrated the boy's hands and forearms. It spread out like a branch of veins and could be seen traveling up and underneath the skin of the boy's arms. Within the boy's cupped hands, an inhuman scream shrieked loudly. Moans and wails continued as it violently jerked in the boy's hands to and fro, up and down, side to side, but Thomas's grip held fast and unbroken. Brilliant beams of light exploded from the child's hands as the thick substance began to foam and pour out from between his fingers in great amounts. Those unfortunate souls who had like looked directly into the light were paralyzed from the flash. Their heads snapped upward toward the sky and their mouths opened wide with a sound of a loud death rattle. Wider and wider their mouths opened until a sickening snap was heard from their jaws dislocating with a stiff and rigged body They remains frozen in place until their eyes bulged and shot high into the air landing on the ground with a sickening plop the beings of light took formation on the green grassy field just outside of the settlement the rings of light that obscured the its body were not soft and curved ribbons and streams of light. They were jagged and pointed halos of razors and blades. These were the creatures of war and death. Those who remained and had not fled behind the town's high yet feeble wooden wall gasped into terror and awe at the creatures of light. Between them danced the jubilant Thomas, still chanting his words, He's mine! He's mine! Now insane and blind, his entire body body interwoven with the writhing and bloody tendrils that entered and exited his skin, orifices, mouth, ears, and eyes. One of the creatures of light came forward and glided toward Thomas. It hovered over the small boy, and a beautiful melody began to flow from the being. Thomas immediately stopped and listened intently to the sound. Was this how these giants communicated? The people watched as Thomas cocked his head back to the sound and appeared to find the melody soothing and pleasing. Thomas slowly held his cupped hands out in front of him to offer what he held. Blood flowed in streams over his face. His hands were bloody, pulps of mass, no longer useful digits and touch ungrasped. As the large creature approached, a mischievous grin of a naughty little boy formed on his lips, though the wiggling, root-like fingers writhing from within his mouth, he said with a low hiss, "'He's mine. You can't take him. If I can't keep him, then you can't have him either.' Thomas slapped his hands together, crushing whatever he held in the space between his palms. A deafening scream of agony rung rung aloud and the reddish black fluid sprayed out with such force it coated both men and creatures of light. The substance ate away both flesh and men and auras of light immediately upon contact with flames with from swords raised high and the war cry of pure angelic hatred and rage the creatures of light charged into the settlement of roanoke colony in the year of our lord 1590 the first of the delayed supply ships arrived upon the shores of roanoke island to find not a single living soul in its three-year absence no evidence of war famine, or any other possible reason for the colony's complete de- disappearance could be desuited. What had once been a thriving settlement of sturdy thatched roof cottages of one of the two-story habits was no more. The first presence of the English Empire in the New World shown through the efforts of these 117 people had left no mark or clue of the fate that befell them. A crudal built fort surrounding the former settlement was all that gave a hint that the past presence of the colonists, and upon a post of wood bleached white as snow, was found to hold the only clue that remained. Carved deep, a single word of three letters could be seen. The meaning could be found and remains a mystery to this very day. Carved were the letters C.R.O. So, um, everyone has heard the story of Roanoke, hopefully. Um, this has a definitely a different um, turn on Roanoke. I've never heard this story before. Um, and thank you, Kowaki, for writing that in. What a crazy, crazy story. This is, of course, a myth story. Um, part of it is true, and part of it is not, um, of course. Um, what a wild, wild story, though. I love how it's written. Um, and what's kind of sad is it's like, okay, so the, the parent had a bastard child, right? Um, and paid no attention to the kid. And so that's what happened with the kid. He stayed in the woods for too long Got pale skin Didn't take care of himself Um, Some would even say he became somewhat of a witch Or a Wiccan Because they say that in the Roanoke colony It wasn't in the story But there was a lot of witchcraft going on And um, it was a very, very dark place in the woods back then and no one truly knows what happened um, And it's very, it is true at the end They don't know what happened All of the people and the 117 colonists All of them disappeared And we still don't know to this day what happened And uh, it's always been a very, very interesting and fascinating um, story And it's been a mystery for hundreds and hundreds of years um, Of where they went or disappeared No one knows And it's been told too That their belongings and everything Were still there So it's not like they just packed up and left um, They definitely disappeared somewhere And on their main tree And their settlement You can see that The letters were carved out C-R-O um, And there's some history behind that I've completely forgotten what that is. Let me look that up up on Google real quick. Um, Let's see. Carvings of CRO. Roanoke. Um, Oh. The CRO stands for Croatoan. I knew that. Okay, Um, and of course, if you've, like I said, if you've taken history in any classes, this is bound to come up at some point. Um, It was chromatoin, and uh, it was interesting. I've actually got a picture of it um, on here. I might actually send it on the group for sure. Um, and uh, wow, very interesting. So, yeah, this was 1590s. Um, sorry guys, I'm just looking through this real quick. Um, not really sure what the Kerlitoan means. I'm looking through here real quick. Um, but definitely something to look into if you guys are interested in myths and legends. And um, stories that happened in true history that are mysteries to this day Um, You guys should look it up It's the Roanoke Croatoan And you can read all that kind of good stuff about it But um, anyways, if you guys loved this little history story of this mystery Let me know and I'll do some more of this Um, been, I've always loved history growing up and just adding a bone chilling factor to it and a supernatural twist to it is, um, definitely a bonus for this channel. So let me know if you guys want to hear more about this and don't forget if this is your first time listening to us, hit that subscribe button on Apple podcast or like us on Spotify and write us a review. We'd love to hear back from you guys, and we love, love your support. So thank you guys so much for joining today's episode, and I hope that you guys stay safe out there during this COVID-19 crisis that's going on. Thank you guys so much again, and have a great night.